Welcome along to another edition of Scoreline Extra where you can listen back to the best interviews that Scoreline on KCLR has to offer every weekend. A little bit later we'll be catching up with Blacks and Whites joint captain Paul Murphy to look ahead to their Leinster Junior semi-final next weekend while we'll also be speaking to St Mullins legend Jack Cavanagh as they prepare for their senior Leinster Championship semi-final against Kilmacud Croaks in Crow Park on Sunday November 27th. We'll also be getting post-match reaction as Mullinavat bowed out of the Leinster Intermediate Club Football Championship while James Stevens advanced to next weekend's Leinster Intermediate Camogie Championship final and Thomastown were crowned JJ Cavanagh and Sons Kilkenny under 21A hurling champions for the first time. But first we're going to catch up with Chris McKenna of the Daily Star who's based in Qatar for the duration of the World Cup. Now, I'm joined by the Daily Star's Chris McKenna to look ahead to the World Cup, which begins on Sunday, of course, with the opening game seeing host Qatar face Ecuador. Chris, who covers boxing and Merseyside football for the newspaper, is currently in Qatar to cover the World Cup. Chris, how are you? Not too bad, Robbie. Not too bad. Thanks for having me on. No problem. Thanks for coming on with us, Chris. It'll be really interesting to get your insight um, on this World Cup. I suppose, first of all, despite everything that's going on in the build-up to this tournament, it is a World Cup at the end of the day, and it's your first World Cup, of course, as well, Chris. I'm speaking to you, and you're in Qatar right now. How excited are you, and have you enjoyed it so far? Yeah, it's certainly been different. Um, obviously, when you become a sports writer, you did the kind of pinnacle is always to go and as a football writer and cover a World Cup so I'm delighted on that kind of aspect to get the chance to do that I kind of would have wished it maybe would have been Brazil or South Africa or maybe the next World Cup which is in America and Canada and Mexico which will be quite spectacular but Vegas can't be choosers so I'm looking forward to it it's been interesting so far I've spent most of my time I'm, I'm on the England beat, as we would say. So I'm out covering England. So they're based just outside of Doha and Al-Wakra, their training base. So we've been out there at Wednesday, uh, Thursday, and they'll be heading out on Friday as well. So um, I've been doing plenty of interviews and we've been getting great access off England. So that's been, been great from that kind of aspect. Yeah, that's brilliant to hear. And I suppose for our listeners, we all kind of want to know, what is it like out there at the moment, Chris? Is there much hype from local fans, from local people around Qatar? Um, certainly not. It's it's quite weird. Um, the problem I think with Doha as well is there doesn't seem to be what you would call like a central kind of hub. Like in in European cities, there's always like a main square or something where fans would gather, and obviously you, that brings in the bars and the drinking and stuff like that, which. It's not a dry state here, but it, it, the drinking is all done inside hotels. So you're not you're not seeing people spilling out onto the streets in that kind of way. Now, last night, um, one of my colleagues was, was dipped into town on the metro, and there's was, there's was a few Argentinian fans and stuff like that. And so the fans are coming in internationally. We haven't seen much pipe at all from locals. Um, it doesn't seem to have captured their imagination yet, but culturally it's kind of a different place it's as i say they're not people that gather outside in bars and, and stuff like that and waving flags and that so it's a bit different so i think the whole kind of atmosphere is going to be very different but that might start to change around the stadiums i suppose when we go out to them when when all the fans from internationally and the locals i suppose are, are kind of milling out around the stadiums then it might start to feel more like a big big tournament um but at the minute, it's quite a strange atmosphere. It's a weird kind of 
World Cup, obviously, it's my first one, so I've nothing to compare to in a World Cup sense, but I've done major boxing abroad. I've, I've been to massive football matches, Champions League finals. So when you go to these places, you do, you sense there's something going on. And as well as we're here early, it's still a few days to go. So maybe that'll come, but at the minute, from, certainly from local people, they don't seem to be too excited. And I was down this morning, went for a run on what's called the Corniche, which is um, basically a, a seven-kilometre walkway along the coast, and it's beautiful to to walk down there. I went for a run, and they're building big fan parks and stuff down there, so they are expecting lots and lots of people to come out. Um, whether that happens now over the weekend, it remains to be seen. You mentioned Brazil there, maybe, that you would have liked to be in at that World Cup. I suppose that one is the one that I remember most for highlighting how home supporters really drive the whole thing in terms of the atmosphere and the sort of general feeling around the tournament. With what you're saying in mind, maybe, that there hasn't been that much of a build-up from Qatar people in particular, are you worried at all that this World Cup could be very, very flat in comparison to other ones that have um, gone past us before? Uh, yeah, I suppose worried in a sense... And- I could say that now that you you're worried, and then on Sunday, maybe it'll take hold, and and the locals will pack out the stadium for for Qatar's opening game against Ecuador, and then you made to look silly. So it's hard to know really. Um, but yeah, as you say, Brazil, the fans made the impression, even in South Africa with the Vivi Sailors. Trying to say that right. I know that annoyed people on TV, but it was their kind of thing and they, they left their impression on that World Cup. When you think of that World Cup, you think of the fans and, and what they did. And maybe there will be some kind of cultural imprint brought in by the Qataris that we haven't seen in previous World Cups. But certainly when you walk around Doha, it's very it's not a place you really stroll around a lot because it's so big and so vast, the city. And it's just big hotels and stuff like that. You don't walk around, so you are in taxis and and we've got some higher cars, so we're, we're being we're ferrying each other around. So it's a bit different, but you certainly don't have a buzz yet. As I say, when we get out to the stadiums, when the tournament starts on Sunday, I'm not at the opening game. I'm doing England Iran on Monday. Maybe then we'll we'll get a sense of the crowds and if they've really bought into this. Um, but at the minute, no, no, yeah, I don't I don't feel so. But that could all change over the weekend yeah fingers crossed it does change we will get on to the football of course and obviously we'll, we'll have a conversation about England as well which you'll be covering um, throughout the duration of their tournament but there has been a lot of talk whether we like it or not about the human rights issues in the country Chris what are the sort of are there any restrictions at all on journalists like yourself there has been a lot of talk about that as well a video went viral around um, a Denmark journalist um, maybe being restricted in what he could re- report have you seen anything like that at all in specifically with the Western media I certainly haven't seen it and I haven't heard of it I'm not saying that it's not happening though because again because I'm out covering England at their training base I'm not involved in, in, in as much of that side of the reporting on it not yet anyway Um from what I've spoken to other colleagues other newspapers who are kind of doing what we call the sports news stuff and that they haven't mentioned that and that they've been told. Um, we went to the media centre to collect accreditations. We were given our accreditation. We were given an extra pass, which gave us, to, according to FIFA, permission to record video and audio at fan parks and stuff like that. As far as I'm aware, you're only told not to video government buildings or places of prayer and stuff, which I suppose is very understandable, particularly places of prayer. 
Um, that's a private place that people go to and stuff like that. But the Danish video, yeah, was was a quite a worrying thing to see. Um, I haven't heard of that happen to any colleagues, and hopefully that it stays like that. I, I think that we do need to have that freedom, and the Qatar people have to, Qatar officials have to allow that to happen because their their kind of way of rules and regulations might be different, but they can't be seen to be in the top, like um controlling states to, to foreign media. So I'm not saying it isn't happening, but I'm not aware of it yet. Um, but as the tournament progresses and more issues are highlighted, then then it may become a thing. I mean, there's a very good story in the Times today that um, that the Qatari senior officials in Qatar are now putting pressure on FIFA to ban alcohol from the stadiums. And that's going to lead into, I think there'll be follow-ups today because I imagine Budweiser, the sponsor, going to be very annoyed about that because they pay a lot of money. They want their product on sale in the stadiums. They make money from that as well as the advertising. So that's going to be a story that rumbles and it's obviously a very contentious issue with the alcohol laws in the country. So things like that will start to flare up and if more issues happen, then you might see more and more and then we will see if there's any kind of, I suppose, backlash from the Qatari government. So... At the minute, though, I'm not aware of it. But again, I can't say it's definitely not happening. And that was interesting that you mentioned about the alcohol as well there, Chris, because my next question to you was going to be, I suppose we've spoken a lot about the local fans and Qatar people in general and their sort of um, feeling towards this tournament. But there's obviously going to be um, thousands of supporters from all around the world um, descended on Qatar. What do you think their experience is going to be like for, for, for all the fans who travel to this tournament? very different if they used to go into World Cups and as I said about ones that will maybe have played place in Germany in a, in a great European city where you've got all these cities with ma- massive squares where the fans can go into the cafes and bars and buy beer and, and, and then stand outside and, and congregate together and sing songs and I don't, that obviously won't be happening because the, the bars here are basically in hotels and um, it's not a completely dry state. I've been to Saudi Arabia for boxing and that is a completely dry state. And that is again, another level of different. It's a bit looser here. You can go and have a beer in a, in a restaurant, in a hotel, and they've got a few bars, but they're mostly indoor. Um, so any outdoor kind of seating would be within the hotel. You can't sit outside on a, on a public street and have a beer like you would do in most other countries. The fan parks will be interesting because at the moment, you will be allowed to have a beer in there. So that might be a place where the fans can congregate together in those fan parks, have beers, sing the songs. And that might be where they kind of find that, suppose, normality of a World Cup. But the thing of kind of what you would usually associate with World Cup when a nation arrives, they take over a city. I don't think it's obviously going to feel like that. And the other thing is, the difference is here is everybody's in the one city. Obviously, other World Cups everybody scattered up across a whole country. So that's going to be different. And a little worry for me would be how the kind of the the infrastructure of the transport holds it because it's a great metro they've got here. They've got a bus system, but the metro, it, I, I'm not sure if it's fully equipped to, to, to really take on thousands and thousands of football supporters. The, the way, it's, I know it sounds quite boring, but the way even the doors close, they do close quite quickly. But if you've got thousands of people trying to stream off at each stop, it's going to be it's going to put a lot of pressure on them. So 
those little things are going to be put to real to the test and the fans are starting to arrive now. So we'll see that build up over the weekend and then we'll see how it kind of changes. But in terms of the drinking, in terms of the atmosphere for them, I think they'll head to the fan parks if that's what they want because the bars and stuff will be very different for them. And it's obviously a lot more expensive as well. And of course... There's a lot of talk around the tournament, but there is a tournament itself that millions of people around the world, whether we like it or not, and there's not great circumstances surrounding it, um, will be enjoying throughout the course of the next month or so. It starts on Sunday, as I said, Qatar taking on Ecuador, but you'll have a keen eye on England, of course. Chris, their first game is against Iran on Monday, the other two teams in the group, USA and Wales. How do you see their prospects? Do you think they're, they're obviously not in the most amazing of form going into this tournament, but the last two major tournaments, the semi-final in the World Cup in 2018 and obviously making the European Championships finals last year so they have good pedigree under Gareth Southgate Certainly yeah um, I'll, be, I'll be on them uh, the Irishman has is infiltrated the England base um, <laughs> but um, it's going to be interesting because you say yeah in the last four years they've been on this upward trajectory World Cup semi-final in 2018 was a kind of a massive surprise um, because they went into that tournament with very little kind of confidence and it, it all really built as the tournament went on and obviously results went their way. Some big teams dropped out in the groups and again in the knockouts and they got kind of a favourable run to the semis. But the Euros then, it, it built again and there was real hope going into that one coming out of the pandemic and and it would, the semis and the final were going to be at Wembley and, and it really, really took hold of the nation and in England and then it all, it seemed like then, oh, well, the next step now, Qatar, this England side is ready to, to go on that. But it just went the other way in the Nations League. They, they got relegated from, from their group. Um, they haven't won a competitive game in a year now um, since they beat San Marino. The defences started leaking, which was a big thing. Um, in 2021, I think they kept 14 clean sheets out of 19 games. Um, they've had two out of eight um, it, so far in, in 2022. So that's a big problem for Southgate, started leaking goals. How is he going to hold up that? His midfield, he's got great options in Royce and Bellingham, but that leaves him a bit more open. Um, without that Phillips kind of anchor in that midfield, he hasn't been playing for Man City. A lot of the players are out of form. Harry Maguire is a big one. Um, even the likes of Raheem Sterling is not in the form he was. So... That's the thing. They've got to get going. They've got to... And I suppose the group is good for them because Iran is obviously... They should win comfortably. The USA, the Americans will be up for it. But again, quality-wise, England should be better than them. That means they should... If they win those first two, they're already all but through. Wales, again, like America, will be up for the fight. But quality says England should win. That'll give them confidence. That'll give them belief going into the knockout stages. But... I think it's going to be difficult for them when they come up against the kind of elite European side or a South American side. And my kind of prediction for England would probably be around the quarterfinal stage. Would that be considered a, a success, Chris? And do you see this being Gareth Southgate's last tournament? And I ask that in the sense that I just think he's probably done the best job of any English manager since Alf Ramsey, who won the World Cup, of course, in 1966. And it doesn't feel like, looking in from afar, that he's got the praise that that deserves. Do you feel like almost he'll walk away or will be forced out of the job if it's not a successful tournament? I don't think he'll be forced out. Um, I think he's done enough, unless it was a disaster and 
they didn't get out of the groups or something. That Obviously, that changes the dynamic. But I think if they got to the quarterfinals, I think it would be in, in Southgate's hands. Um, it would be up to kind of him. Now, the feeling there, might he might say, you know what, I've had three tournaments. I've taken this team as far as I can. I'll walk away and I'll maybe go back into club management or into another role at the FA. Um, I don't think if he got to quarters that there'd be calls for him to be sacked or anything. There'd be a little disappointment maybe just because they've done so well in the previous two tournaments. Um, but it all depends on how you go out. Like if they lost to a really top side in a great game, I think people will accept that and it'd be it'd be considered an okay tournament. The problem is now we, they have set a high standard and people now are starting to expect expect a trophy. But I think people also have a realism and know that this is going to be very, very difficult. It's a strange World Cup in the timing, the timing as well as well as where it is. So quarterfinals, I think it'd be deemed as a as a decent effort, and I think it'd be up to Southgate then whether he wanted to continue or if he wanted to walk away. There'll be a keen Irish eye on England, of course, as there always in as there always is when we're not at a major tournament, which is far too often than we'd like at the moment, unfortunately. But there'll also be a keen Irish eye on Argentina and particularly Lionel Messi's exploits, of course. He's when renowned worldwide but he is loved in this country as well by many, many people, particularly young fans who would have seen him um throughout his peak years. What do you think their chances are heading into this one? They're on an incredible unbeaten run. They seem a lot more sort of set structurally and have a good foundation in place um, than they were four years ago in in Russia. How do you see them going in this tournament? I think they've got a great chance. I think the second favourites with the bookmakers for probably for a reason. Um, they've got a solid defence. It's a bit fiery though, so the only problem with them might be a couple of red cards might scupper them certainly in the knockout stages and when the, when the tensions rise. But you got to look at Messi as well. He's going to be, this is his last goal, um, arguably the greatest player of all time. And he's never got his hands on the World Cup. And he got the Cup America, was it last year? And that was a big thing for him. So he will be so motivated. He looks like he's in good form. I know he's playing in the French League, which is a, isn't elite elite level like Spain or an English or the English Premier League. But... He's in form. He's 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 rediscovered that just at the right time, and this is the last goal. And it would be the fairy tale kind of story for him to go and win the World Cup in his last attempt and become that idol. Uh, well, he's obviously obviously a massive idol in Argentina, but you know, really cemented status up there with Maradona for winning a World Cup. Um, I do think they've got a great chance, but and the thing can take account. I think it's going to help the South American teams is the climate here very hot, very humid. It will suit them. It will suit the African teams as well. That will, will give um, Argentina another boost. But there's plenty of competition there. You've got a really young Spain side. You've got a brilliant Brazil side with so much attacking talent um, there as well. And, and there'll be some dark horses. Say that Belgium have got a really good squad. It's got to deliver soon. Holland are coming, coming back again after missing the last World Cup. So... There's going to be plenty of competition, but the Messi, Messi winning it would be the fairy tale finish. I'm not sure if it was possible, but imagine Argentina, Portugal in the final, Messi, Ronaldo, one last go at it. 
I was just going to ask you, Chris, because obviously when you bring up Messi, the inevitable next thing to go to is Ronaldo. And you didn't mention them there, but what are Portugal's chances like, like um, ahead of this tournament? That interview that was released on Wednesday night and Thursday night with Pierce Morgan, does that affect them at all? Bruno Fernandes done an interview yesterday saying that uh, they won't think about it at all as players. But does any of that come into it, do you think? And do you think Portugal have a decent chance of maybe making that final with Argentina? It's sad. I think they're, they're, they're lacking in certain areas. Um, they've got some really good players. You obviously mentioned Bruno Fernandes there and uh, and, and with Ronaldo, he, he's such an, he can be an inspiring figure. Um, he can lift Portugal as we've seen when they won the Euros. My only my fear for him is that he's been in poor form this season. He just doesn't have, seem to have got going. There's a lot of noise around him. His head doesn't seem in the right place because to make the decision to do that interview and, and basically tarnish his reputation at Manchester United strikes to me as somebody who's struggling it, it, for confidence or belief in himself. It seemed a weird thing to do. That would be my worry. But on the flip side, it's also Ronaldo. He will also know he's being criticised and he would love to prove critics wrong. And there'd be no better way to do that than inspire Portugal on a magical run. Are they good enough to win it? I don't think so. But... We've seen we teams far weaker than Portugal go long into the tournament, and when you get to those semis and the final, then anything can happen. And before I let you go, Chris, and thanks ever so much for giving up your your time today. Um, who do you fancy when it's all said and done? Who, who do you think are the favourites going into this one? But the two big South American sides have been mentioned a lot in the build up to it: Brazil and Argentina. Do you see a winner coming from outside of that duo, or you know how, how do you see it going? I don't. I, I have to say, I think it's between them, and I probably fancy Brazil. I am a bit worried that they are a bit young. Some of their players are young. Uh, it, a lot of it them rests on Neymar as well. If he delivers and he becomes a talisman for them, they've got a great midfield as well and, and decent defence. I, I, I do really fancy them for it. Um, you still can't rule out somebody like France. I know they're missing in midfield, but they've got two really great young midfielders and. Kamavinga, trying to say these right, and Tushimeni, if they kind of step up and fill the gaps left by the Pogba's and the Kante's, they've got Mbappe, they've got Benzema up front, they're going to be a threat. Um, the outsiders, you're looking more at the Hollands and the Spains, but if I had to put put a bet on it, I'd, lo- I'd want better odds than they are at the minute, but it'd be Brazil for me. Well, Chris, we wish you the very best to look over the next month or so in Qatar and we hope you enjoyed the tournament and thanks very much for speaking to me today. No problem. Next up on Scoreline Extra, it's Mick Quinn. myself Robbie Dowling I did promise you I'd catch up with former Ireland international Mick Quinn after the break and I'm delighted to say that Mick is on the line as we reflect on yesterday's 13-10 defeat of Australia in the Aviva Stadium Mick thanks very much for joining me today how are you? No problem at all. Uh, good to talk to you. Yeah, always good to talk to you as well, Mick. We, we've spoken to you on the show now over the last couple of weekends. Obviously, the November series started with that historical defeat of the world champions, South Africa. Then in the middle between South Africa and Australia, of course, was the win against Fiji. And last night, um, a, a good result against Australia. Um, I'd be interested to get your kind of opinion on the performance. How, how would you reflect on yesterday's game, Mick? Uh, well, I think in if you look at it... Uh, 
practically. Um, Ireland were very lucky to win the game last night. Um, I thought Australia were certainly the better side on the night. And Ireland really never got into the swing of their game. You know, their their fast possession, uh, quick rucking game uh, was never really um, uh, shown uh, during that game, except in a couple of occasions. But, but really, as a general run, I thought the Australians were actually better than Ireland last night. Is that worrying from your point of view, this kind of far out? We're obviously looking forward to the Six Nations campaign now in the new year and then all eyes will be on the World Cup in around September time of 2023. Is it worrying that Australia were the better team last night? No, I, I don't think so. I, I think um, I, I, I certainly think Ireland missed Johnny Sexton, you know, and the whole um, the whole uh, pace that he brings to the game, you know, it, it was was sadly missing last night, and and uh, you know there, there was no tempo to the way Ireland were playing. Really, uh, they were they were battling hard, but they had no possession, and and uh, the Australians seemed to uh, have most of the ball. Ireland were doing a lot of tackling a lot of brave tackling too and good defensive play but uh, it was very tight last night but uh, I think it's a good time when a team is not playing particularly well and can still pull out the win at the end of the day I think that shows uh, how strong this unit is um, and and uh, I, I think people have generally sort of underestimated uh, Australia and, and the talent that they have in their squad uh, they're an extremely good team, very talented side, and they have uh, plenty of pace and, and ability. Uh, and I, I think uh, they just put it up to us last night. Now, don't forget, they went within a couple of points of France a few weeks ago, you know, and people were saying, oh, well, they lost to Italy. Well, that was their second team, really, that lost to Italy, you know. So, I mean, we've got to be realistic when we look at this. And, uh, you know, Ireland have had a very good run and uh, they've just just about kept it going. Uh, I thought we looked tired and lethargic at times last night. And uh, there were a few guys who, who looked pretty jaded, I think, uh, by the end of it. I thought the subs did well when they came on. You know, I, I, I thought uh, um, Ross Byrne did particularly well. I thought he lifted the pace of what was happening and, and uh, obviously took... The, the brave decision to take that kick wide out on the right, uh, which actually won the game for Ireland, you know. So I think that was a, a very brave uh, intervention by him. And uh, I think uh, he deserves a lot of plaudits for what happened. Yeah, it was a brilliant penalty from Ross Byrne to seal the victory. Of course, it was 10-10 at that point and then Byrne slotted over that penalty to win the game for Andy Farrell's side on a scoreline of 13 points to 10. In the grand scheme of things, Mick, what does this result mean? Because it obviously means we've had a clean sweep now in the November Internationals, which of course is nothing to scoff at at all. It's been an incredibly successful November International Series for the Irish team. But would you put a lot of weight on these results? Would you look more so at the performances? How do you evaluate all three games. Well, I, I think overall it's been a good exercise for Ireland. You know, I mean, you're not going to play well in every match, and you're not going to play well all the time. Teams will not let you play the type of game you want to play. And uh, the Australians were particularly good at stifling Ireland last night at the breakdown. So, you know, I thought they they really got in and they counter rocked very well. And 
they they just made they just made nuisances out of themselves and and they did it very well and other teams will have noted this and will try to do the same against Ireland in the Six Nations so it's going to be interesting to see what happens in the Six Nations uh, in the, the, one of the good things is that we have France and England coming here uh, so that really gives us a chance, you know, in, in the Six Nations. So uh, it, 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 it's going to be a very interesting, uh, a very interesting few months. Yeah, historically, of course, um, Ireland teams would have seen their chances of winning the Six Nations probably rise a bit in the years where we play uh, France and England at home. But looking forward to that Six Nations campaign now, Mick, obviously we haven't won one since I believe it was 2018 when we won the Grand Slam famously in Twickenham under Joe Schmidt. But we've been really successful and Andy Farrell has clearly created a very, very solid outfit at the very least with Ireland at the moment. What would be success going forward into the Six Nations now? Is it important to try and go and actually win? win the championship or is it more so again about really really good performances heading into the World Cup which of course is probably the biggest definitely the biggest tournament of them all yeah well I think I think the biggest thing will be how far can we go with the players we've got you know I don't think he's going to over experiment during the Six Nations I think he's going to try to get good performances and get good results Um, but uh, you know I think uh, winning the Six Nations or uh, getting Grand Slams and Triple Crowns and stuff like that, that won't be the zenith of what Ireland are looking for this time. I think they're looking to get to the World Cup and through the World Cup without too many serious injuries. Um, we have um, we have probably about 25 to 28 players that you could say, yeah, okay, these are good enough to play at, at international level and, and the standard doesn't drop too much. But we, we aren't uh, as, um, we're not as big a country as a lot of the others. You know, we don't have as many spare players around. So we don't need injuries and injuries have cost us in previous World Cups. I don't necessarily go along with the mantra that people come out with uh, that Ireland, uh, you know, you know, played well before the World Cup, but didn't play well in the World Cup. I think we got specific injuries at, at, at terrible times during the last couple of World Cups, which really cost us, you know. And uh, I think Irish rugby, as it was brought on, uh, first of all, by Declan Kidney getting the Grand Slam. You know, people forget about his his efforts and Daddy O'Sullivan's efforts. Um, I think when you come in then and you think Joe Schmidt, Joe Schmidt put us through the stratosphere as far as the attitude, uh, the winning mentality and all of that sort of thing came into it. He was a brilliant coach. And of course, learning under him was Andy Farrell, who has turned out to be an absolutely magnificent coach in his own uh, in his own way. And, and I expect him to be uh, given the award tonight of uh, world uh, world coach of the year because he has he has done a, an exceptionally good job uh, as, as head coach of Ireland. And I, I think you know you've got to be realistic looking at the World Cup when the World Cup comes around the New Zealand All Blacks are going to be very strong the Springboks are going to be very strong the Australians are going to be very strong and England are going to be uh, very strong and France are going to be very strong so they're the big favourites when you come back to it because they have the numbers they have the numbers playing the game and uh, they also have size they have bigger physical specimens than we have and uh, you know we have a very bad draw in the World Cup 
you know, people are forgetting this. And they, you know, I mean, England have the easiest draw you could ever have in a World Cup. They only have to beat Australia, maybe Argentina, to get to a final. So I expect England to get to the final. But in our section, we have New Zealand, we have South Africa, we have France, we have Ireland. Uh, you know, it, four into one doesn't go, you know. So we're going to meet big teams in successive weeks during that World Cup. And can we be strong enough? Can we keep guys uh, injury-free? That will be the big question as to how Ireland do in the World Cup. It's interesting that you say about England's route to the final there, Mick. Obviously, um, defeating Argentina and Australia would see them make the final for the second consecutive World Cup. They lost out to South Africa last time in Japan. But I suppose people that maybe would disagree with you would bring up the argument that in 2011, we lost to Australia and then we lost to Argentina in 2015 in the quarterfinals, do you think it is yeah. purely down to the injuries that we're losing to these teams? Because we do tend to beat them, say, in the middle of a World Cup cycle and then it comes to maybe a quarterfinal stage or whatever it may be and ultimately th- those sides seem to defeat us. You don't think, you're not concerned at all about the fact maybe that Southern Hemisphere teams or the likes of England or France know how to peak for a World Cup and maybe we don't. You don't think that's a cause for concern at all, No. I, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's as big of a cause for concern as a lot of people do uh, or sort of bringing this up. Uh, I, I think um, I think our problem has been through injuries all the time. We we have lost seriously good players, uh, and so, you know we lost O'Connell the last time. You know I mean we lost major players for us uh, at the wrong times in those World Cups. And uh, we, the time we lost to Argentina, Argentina were a brilliant side. They beat France in their in, in their own country during uh, during the World Cup. You know, that, like the Argentinians can peak very well for a World Cup, but they don't have uh, Six Nations to worry about during the season either. You know, our bread and butter is the Six Nations. It's not the World Cup. You know, and uh, you know the, the Irish rugby lives uh, financially on the Six Nations. So the World Cup will never be the priority to us. I don't believe. I I really think the Six Nations is our priority. And if we get a good World Cup, well, then that's great. But when you look at the likes of New Zealand and South Africa, you know, rugby is the number one sport in those countries. Everybody plays rugby. Whereas here, we're behind Gaelic football, hurling and soccer. You know, so we don't just have the numbers here. We've 40,000 players throughout the country altogether in Ireland. You know, in England, there's 700,000 players. You know, so it's just the numbers don't add up for us to be strong every time we go to a World Cup. But I think we're we're going in a very strong position into this World Cup. But it's another, you know, I think it's unrealistic to expect our lads to win it. I think that is a very fair point and maybe the you know the injury concerns are certainly something that um you rightfully bring up over the last couple of World Cups but do you not feel as though maybe you know a lot of the critics of the rugby side would say that 
the next natural step for this team because we've had such a fruitful spell and as you say we should not underestimate how good this has been for Ireland since Declan Kidney and even Eddie O'Sullivan before him um, won triple crowns Grand Slams of course in 09 and 18 and Joe Smith took it to a new level as you say yourself and Andy Farrell doing a brilliant job but do you not feel as though it's almost time to cash in on that now and while we're at our height the next natural step for Irish rugby would be to at least try and get to a semi-final or, or do you feel as though the points that you bring up maybe limits us to you know getting to quarterfinals and then maybe that is kind oh, of yeah, our no, height no, at the no, moment I, I think no no I think you're right I mean I think it is time for us to do well in a World Cup but I'm just not sure that this World Cup is going to be the one because I think we got an absolutely rotten draw you know it's a it's a it's a, it's a, a draw from hell you know, you don't get tougher or bigger than South Africa and France, the two biggest teams physically in the world, and and then throw in the All Blacks in there as well. You know, I mean, the, the, it just it just worries me that if we have to play all three of those to get to the final, we're, we're, we're you, know, uh, you know, can you see us winning against the three of them in consecutive weeks? Personally, I can't. But I'd love to see us do it. I think we have brilliant ability in the team. But I, 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 I think they're going to find it hard to be able to physically do that. You know, if we had the draw that England had, if we were in the other half with just Australia and and uh, Argentina, I think we'd have a very good chance. We'd get to the final. You know, I think the draw's just been rotten to us this time, and it's badly timed because we have a brilliant side at the moment. Yeah, we won't, always, we won't always have a brilliant team. You know, that's I mean, the, the cycle of things is going to mean that we're we are going to have to regenerate after this World Cup. You know. Yeah, that's very, very true. Um, briefly, Mick, you brought up England there. 25-all draw with the All Blacks yesterday at Twickenham. And one result that really caught my eye, Georgia defeating Wales by 13 points yeah. at 12, a historical result for them. What did you make yeah. of those two games with a particular kind of keen focus on the Georgia game? Brilliant for Georgian rugby. Yeah, yeah I, I remember back in 1977 flying to Moscow and then down to Tbilisi to play against Georgia. And uh, it was a touring side I was on. And I, I, I was surprised at how physical these guys were. They're, they're, they're definitely not Russians. And they're, they claim to be totally Georgian. And they're tough as old boots. And I thought yesterday they actually deserved to beat Wales. They beat them fair and square. I thought they were excellent yesterday. And I, I think it, it does uh, show that there are great possibilities for Georgia in the long term. Um, I think they're quite a talented team and uh, they've certainly got themselves together. They, they are well organized and Wales just never got out of the traps. Now, you, you, can, you, you can admit, of course, that Wales underestimated them and Wales thought everything would fall into place, but it just didn't. And, and the Georgians weren't willing to let them. With regard to England's performance yesterday, England were lucky they weren't beaten by 30 points yesterday. I mean, they're absolutely blessed to have gotten a draw. I thought the referee brought them back into the game, giving them silly decisions. And, you know, I, I thought he, he sided totally with England at the end of the game. I, I, I thought it was just to a ridiculous extent. And um, I, I just don't know how New Zealand didn't win that game and, and didn't win it handily, you know. I think that there's a little question mark about the... the um, 
the, the, the stickability of New Zealand. I think they're they're not a huge team, but when they move the ball, they're irresistible, and I think they're going to be very strong by the time the World Cup comes around. And I think Joe Schmidt has made a big difference to the way that New Zealand are playing. They were in a shambles, you know, nine months ago, but. But now they seem to be uh, really moving quite well. I thought they were much, much better than England yesterday. England were not in that game. And they just out of circumstance, they slipped back in and got a couple of tries at the end. But it was a bit of, you know, it was, it was just one of those. Uh, it, the ref seemed to me to be trying to level up the penalty count or something. He, he really went totally against the All Blacks, I thought, at the end of the last 15 minutes. I thought it was terrible. But uh, but I, I think the, the fact is that New Zealand are quite a distance ahead of England as far as, as a rugby team is concerned. We're now going to hear from Blacks and Whites giant captain Paul Murphy. Paul, how are you? Not too bad, Robbie. Uh, good to talk to you, Paul. Obviously, a brilliant victory last weekend against Ringtown. Now sets up that last four tie against commercials. Just to reflect, first of all, on the win last week against the Westmead County Champions. Obviously, it went to extra time. You had a healthy lead during the game and then they brought it into extra time but she went on and won the game deservedly by two goals and 20 points to 17 points now that you've had a week to kind of look back on it what's the feeling amongst the players about that game is there sort of frustration that you allowed it to go to extra time is there a sense of relief that you actually got over the line What what's the overwhelming sentiment amongst the panel yeah I suppose first and foremost it's relief anyway um, we went up as favourites, which was unusual. With most games we were going into this year, we were going in as underdogs, so it was uh, a bit of a, a change for us to go in as uh, favourites. But um, yeah, looking back on the game, we 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 came into the first half and we probably played within ourselves. And whether it was a bit of a hangover after three weeks, maybe one week of good celebrations, and uh, just blown off a few cobwebs anyway, uh, we went in with four points with a four-point lead at half-time and we thought we were playing within ourselves and we knew we had to up a gear because they had savage, they just had a savage work rate and they just brought straight a great physicality to the game. So we knew we had to up our intensity in the second half to come out with the win. But look, they got a good run on us in the second half and uh, it's just one of those things that we just, you know, they, they got point after point after point and we couldn't, we couldn't answer them. Um, luckily enough, uh, we got we got an equaliser near the end of the full, full time and uh, brought extra time. Look, when we got the extra time, we felt like we didn't hurt at all. So we knew we had a lot more to give, a lot more in the tank. So luckily enough, we pushed on in the end to a healthy nine-point win anyway. Yeah, it was a brilliant result, I must say, Paul, because, I mean, a lot of people speak about, um, you know, you, you should be easily disposing of these teams, but there's a reason they're in Leinster competition along with yourselves because they're a very capable and a very good side. And to go up there away from home in particular, obviously you said there that you were favourites. It was a great achievement, but 
going back to that favourites tag, I suppose, that was something that your manager, Eddie Scally, told me that maybe it's a bit concerning for yourselves as a team when you are favourites, that you really revel in the other, in the underdogs tag. And we've seen that particularly in the Kilkenny County Championship. Is that something that you would share with your manager in the sense that you do rather be an underdog, underdogs and kind of coming in under the radar? Yeah, of course. Yeah, no, I, I think we're, we're just used to being an underdog now at this stage, Robbie. And uh, I suppose it was just unusual going up there last week. We we prepared well. You know, we, we blew off the cobwebs and we trained in Dunmore for the two weeks leading up to the game. And we felt like we were in a good position going into the game. We, we had very little injury concerns. And look, it was a long journey up, I suppose, to the match. And uh, we didn't know what to expect. I suppose when you're playing in the Leinster Championship, it's somewhat different to the Kilkenny Championship you just don't know what sort of teams you're going to face and what sort of players um, but yeah look we uh, we were just I suppose whether we took our eye off the ball I don't know but uh, we just we just didn't have that same intensity that we had throughout the Kilkenny campaign and uh, I suppose uh, being Kilkenny champions I think you have a target on your back no matter who you're playing in Leinster so look they, they were like they gave savage, a savage intensity. Just we weren't ready for it at all, and uh, we were lucky enough to come out with the win in the end. To be honest, you said that the overwhelming emotion was relief after the game, and usually when you are relieved after a game, it's a good sign because it means that you've won won the actual match at hand. Even if you, there is an element of frustration around the performance, but in some ways, Paul, was it the perfect game for you to get as a panel in the sense that you're coming off the highest of highs winning the county championship which is ultimately what every club wants to do before a ball is pucked um, at the start of any campaign at the start of any year even and you've come in your next game then is always going to be a tough one in the sense that you're going to have to dust off the cobwebs of course there would have been a lot of celebrations and rightfully so after that victory against Wine Gap in the county final but to get a game behind you now where you've almost got a bit of a shock if I'm right in saying in the sense that you maybe would have expected maybe a, a, an easier path into the semi-finals but you've also come out the other side of it and you're still in the Leinster Championship which is all, which is what it's all about is that almost was it the perfect game to get do you think? I think it was Robbie. Yeah, look, like uh, just even back to training this week. I know we went to training Tuesday night and done more, and the intensity levels just went up. Look, we knew we got out of Mullingar that day. We were we were relieved, and we knew we had to up a gear for the next day. Look, we're we're playing commercials next Saturday, and we know this team is not going to be a pushover. They're Dublin champions, and you know they're by all accounts they're after. You know they're going well, and they they won their respective Dublin championship at a canter. It's what I'm hearing anyway. So we know we knew we had to up it. So the intensity levels in training this week has been unbelievable. The lads have really up the up the gear, and it's great to see. Yeah, and of course that next game is against Commercials, a Dublin side and a very capable Dublin side, as you rightfully pointed out. There, going to be tough opposition. Home advantage, though, is that important? Because we've spoken constantly with whether it be in ladies football, Camogie, Gaelic football, or hurling to Kilkenny and Carlo managers in particular, and players also that have said that sometimes having a home advantage, and you pointed it out there, travelling up to Westmeath and the different challenges that are posed in that sense may have been a reason why the game was tighter than what most people would have expected. Do you feel as though having a home advantage in UPMC Nolan Park is, it's not going to be crucial maybe, but it's something to hold on to. Not crucial, Robbie. Yeah, but it, it has to be an advantage. Like this, this will be our our fourth game in Nolan Park now this year. And look, we're fami- familiar with the surroundings in there. We can set up our 
our morning prep and get in to Nolan Park an hour before the game. We can we're we're used we're used to uh, preparing ourselves for a game in Nolan Park. So look, it has to be an advantage for the the home team. Look, we know that this Dublin team are going to come down. As I said already, we'll have a target on our back. Any any team always has a target on their back. So these lads are going to come down. They're not coming down to fulfil the fixture. These lads are coming down to beat us. So we're just going to have to bring that intensity into Nolan Park and hopefully come out the right side of it. How enjoyable, I know there's only been one game, so this may be a slightly silly question, but I'm going to ask it nevertheless. How enjoyable is it playing in Leinster? Because I'm, I suppose it's a breath of fresh air in the sense that year in, year out, every team plays in the county championship. But to have something very unique and almost individual to the club, certainly for the year that is, um, how enjoyable has it been to, to get a go at the provincial campaign? Oh, sure, it's brilliant, Robbie. Like, it's brilliant for our club. You know, like we, we went up to Mullingar uh, last week and uh, our supporters have been great. Like we probably outnumbered Ringtown three to one up there last last Saturday, which is great. Like you're not only representing your club, which is great, but you're also representing your county. So um no, it's absolutely fabulous and you know, long may it continue. Yes, certainly long may I continue and of course we wish you nothing but the best of luck ahead of the semi-final. But to reflect on the year that's been, Paul, because I haven't been chatting to you since, uh, winning the county championship, I mean, your run to it was, was just incredible. Obviously, um, defeating Pilltown in that very dramatic semi-final that I was lucky enough to be at at UPMC Nolan Park commentating on with Aidan Taggy Fogarty and then winning the final against Winegap, which was equally incredible and I suppose it was even better for yourselves to finally get your hands on the trophy how special a year has it been for the club? I mean, to get up to intermediate is an astonishing achievement for the club the size of Blacks and Whites. Yeah, you just said it there. You're hitting the nail on the head, Robbie. Look, we're uh, we're so happy down here. Um, we're such a small club and it's absolutely brilliant for our small club, especially for the, the, the underage juvenile players. Like, to see our, uh, our junior team going on and winning the championship, like, it just gives them great hope for the future. Like, we have very limited numbers down here, so it's just, it's just unbelievable. Um, uh, year as uh, the year went on, I think it was kind of an up and down year, to be honest. Uh, first and foremost, I think uh, the main thing was the start of the year uh, was to hold on to our manager Eddie. Look, we had uh, three years with Eddie previous, and we felt like we had a lot more to give. Like you know, we <clears throat> Eddie has set us up so well over the last three years. And uh, we just felt like we were playing within ourselves. We we never went out and expressed ourselves the way Eddie wanted us. So it's it's just great to go on and we'll say win this for Eddie, like because he's after putting so much into it. Like the man, he eats, sleeps, and drinks hurling, as you know yourself. And uh, it was just absolutely brilliant to get a win for Eddie. And um, look, we had a we had a kind of an up and down year, as I said. There, we we won our Leinster League campaign. Um, well, that was on the Saturday, early July, the 9th of July, I think. Uh, the following Tuesday, then we went on to win the Paddy Cal Cup. We actually played wing gap in that game as well. And uh, look, that was kind of a, a blessing in disguise for us, I suppose, because that game was in Nolan Park as well. And that was our probably, I'd say that game was our first run out in Nolan Park in a long, long time for our club. So it was a bit of a god sentence for us. So when we got to the county semi final against Pilltown, um, we knew our surroundings and uh, um, look, it, it didn't phase us. We knew we had a job in hand that day and this team is just unbelievable resilience this year especially. Just we, with a never-say-die attitude, 
as you said there yourself, look, we were six points down with, what, seven or eight minutes to go. We came back and equalised, and then luckily enough, Jamie Byrne popped up with that winning point. And uh, it was great to get on then and, and win that final. So... Yeah, it certainly was. And something, someone that you alluded to there, of course, that we're very familiar with here on Scoreline and in KCLR, the host of Friday Night Scoreline from 6 to 7pm every Friday night, I should say, is Eddie Scally, your manager. How pivotal has he been to your success, Paul? Because um, we know him very well personally here in KCLR, but maybe we don't get to peek behind the curtain of him as a manager. How how good a manager is he to inspire you to a county championship? Oh, sure. He's... he's, he's brilliant is probably the word I can think of anyway Robbie like the, the preparation that man puts in like every game we go into he has us so well prepared for each individual team it's not just going out and hoping he has us set up to play against that team he knows their opposition inside out so every game we were going into there's no surprises we know the opposition we know where we're setting up um, so yeah like he's just such a true professional um, we're absolutely delighted to hold on to him this year I think he was the, the main one of the one of the main reasons anyway we got there this year. Does that level of detail in the preparation, not just by the manager himself, who of course has done an incredible job, but also his backroom team, does that inspire the players in the sense that you know that if you really give an honesty and there's a work rate and a genuine nature about yourselves as a group, that you can go as far as you want to be because there's a solid foundation there in place? Yeah, exactly, Robbie. Look, it's 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 unbelievable, I suppose. Uh, you you have to be in a setup like this to realize like what it's like to be this that prepared going into a game. Like he will earmark players. He'll um, he'll pull out a player and he'll you know he'll give him the good points and bad points about that player and he'll make he'll let everyone know like what way that player sets up and what way is the best way to defend or to attack against this player. So you know it's that level of detail is just unbelievable. St Mullins stalwart Jack Cavan is next up. Welcome back to Scoreline. Before we hand over to Natalie Lennon at 6 o'clock, uh, we will be hearing post-match from Thomas Town manager Ken Walsh after his side's under-21 county final victory over Munkine today. And we will be going back on yesterday's defeat of St. Bridget's for James Stevens in the Leinster Intermediate Camogie Championship. But for now, we're going to turn our attention to the Senior Leinster Championship, which sees St. Mullins take on Kilmacud Croaks next Sunday at quarter past three in the first of a doubleheader. Of course, the first game in that one at quarter past one sees Ballyhale Shamrock take on Nace before the Carlow County Champions take on the Dublin side. We'll have both of those games live on KCLR and I'm delighted to say that I'm joined by St Mullins stalwart Jack Cavan and now on the phone line. Jack, how are you this evening? No good, thanks Robbie and yourself. Yeah, all good now Jack, all good. Even better to be speaking to you, especially after that brilliant victory I mean I can't think of another word for it um, last weekend at Netwatch Cullen Park against Wexford County Champions Fern St Aidens before we look ahead to next weekend's game Jack I mean such a long spell without a competitive match and then to, to have one like that and such a dramatic end to it and a brilliant victory um, how, are, how are the panel feeling how are you feeling personally after that result yeah look uh, it was good old, uh, good old boys coming home last Sunday with Dr Cullen Park with the victory and you know, um, after such a long wait, you know, we're just glad to get over the line and we kind of stored over, but probably could have made it a bit easier for ourselves. But look, it's good to be battle hardened, I suppose, going to the next day. And um, like we had a 
good preparation coming up to it. I suppose with practice matches, but like nothing really compares to kind of championship hurling. That was a real championship game against Ireland. You know, they bought everything, show everything has. And look, we kind of suppose we matched um, hurling ways and physical ways. And um, led us lucky, very happy to go over the lane. And uh, moves good in the camp. So um, looking forward to the week ahead now, and hopefully pass the bike quickly because um, next Sunday won't be long coming around. Hopefully. Yeah, I'm sure you are looking forward to the weekend and I'll pose the same question to you that I posed to Blacks and Whites giant captain Paul Murphy because they came off the back of a really competitive game in their Leinster Junior quarter final and obviously, I mean, the scoreline speaks for itself last weekend in terms of that two-point victory against Fern St. Aidan's. It was a hyper-competitive game for yourselves, a brilliant affair and brilliantly commentated on by our own Brendan Hennessy and Terence Kelly here and they really painted a picture for us in terms of how special a special an occasion it was for the club but I'll pose the same question as I said is it almost the perfect preparation going into the latter stages of the Leinster Championship in the sense that it wasn't a washout you didn't just kind of easily defeat Ferns St. Aidan's and likewise you're obviously still in the Championship which is the most important thing so was it a good game to get behind your belts ahead of next Sunday? Yeah absolutely look um, it was for the supporters and probably for ourselves you know for the Emotions is not good to be winning the games like that, but um, you know you're going into the, the last stage of the championship, and uh, you know it's never too much in these games. It always goes kind of to and fro between pint up, pint down, and so it's good to have that experience to know that you know just to stay plugging away, and you know things will turn for you. And um, but we didn't, I suppose we could have um, won either last week, but I suppose we could have very easily lost the two. And the fact that we dug deep and came out on top with the two-point victory, I suppose, hopefully it will stand to us. And, you know, after such a long wait, I suppose with a lot of pressure on it, we kind of felt a lot of pressure. Personally, I felt a lot of pressure going into the game that it would have been very disappointing not to win that game after waiting so long for it. And, you know, and it's a game that, I suppose, everyone outside the county kind of thought was a big upset. But, you know, to be honest, like in Carlo or in Simons, we we knew that, like, we were as good as this team and probably if not better than Perns. Uh, that's no disrespect to them, which is, Thought we had a number around the field, you know, and um, I think it kind of showed that I think we done most of the hurling there for most of the game. It's just we couldn't we couldn't show on the scoreboard. So look, yeah, it's like to just answer a question. Yeah, it's good to be battle hard and going to going into next weekend, and uh, I'm sure it'll probably it'll probably be a tight game too. Well, hopefully it'll be a tight game. Yeah, I suppose for yourselves, you are hoping it's a tight game because you are coming up against formidable opposition in the form of Kilmacud Crokes. Historically, um, a very, very good side uh, in the hurling side of things especially and also in football. Um, how tough a proposition will they be, Jack? Uh, sir, we know our face. You know, we know that you know, we've, we've seen him on the telly over the last number, number of years and you know, we know the, the, the calibre player to have they're used to Cole Park, I suppose we're not used to it, but um, look, it's going to be a huge challenge. We, we're going to embrace it and take it on head first. Um, we're very confident uh, and we believe in what we're doing now in the same one, so like, we won't fear it. We'll, we'll uh, match them head on, and um, you know, like, it's good to have the underdog tag. It kind of suits us, and you know, we'll, we'll, we'll take it on. So. Well, we see where we end up with them. Um, it's all about, I suppose, staying in the game for as long as you can, and you know, I suppose, not letting the occasion get to a lot of maybe I haven't been up there before, and you know, it's part of that that doesn't stick by you, and you have regrets. You know, it's, it's, it's a day you want to remember, and you you really want to be remembered with a win. But you know, stages and 
to report in a break of the quarters and just Steph Logan, Steph Logan. And hopefully, 10, 10 minutes ago, the game in the metal pot and, you know, we battled hard and I know they had a pretty three laps again. So, look, we know if we have to go to we have to go to the well again. Like we go to the well, there's no problem with that, and uh, we'll um, we we'll see how it pans out. But um, we'll prepare the best we can, and hopefully we can uh, deliver it on the day. Fingers crossed, you can deliver it on the day. Uh, your phone line's just a bit um, edgy there at the moment, Jack. So uh, hopefully we can hear you clearly when you answer this next question, which is when Carlo playing Crow Park. The open space suits players the likes of Marty Cavanagh, James Doyle and obviously newcomer Conor Keogh as well who's had a fantastic start to his hurling career at the adult side of yeah. things to name but a few. Um, in the Christy Ring and Joe Mack we've seen th- those sort of performances in Crow Park for Carlo. Do you think the open space of GAHQ suits Carlo's sides? Because you're very wristy hurlers, very, very silky to watch and great on the eye. Yeah, I think so. Like, you know, that's what like, we, we did after the first game back in the local obviously I was back there for the food and um, we were just talking about the upcoming game at Crow Park and uh, obviously we was a talk at the parish for a couple of days but we were just um, we were saying that too like you know it, it might might suit us like you know it might suit our forwards we have a lot of legs in that team like you know and uh, I suppose uh, on the flip side of it like they have paid forwards too but like hopefully it will suit us and, and we can play to our strengths up there you know and management team will probably come up with some sort of a game plan to um, so we can exploit that, and uh, but look, yeah, we 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 think that we have the the, the caliber of players in the forward lane that in the wide open space, if we get the right ball, right ball to them like that, they can um, they can open up their legs and kind of show what they show, show what they can do. So yeah, look, please God, it, it, it'll do us. And there's great experience in the St Mullins camp, of course, yourself, and a number of the team have hurled in Division One of the hurling league as well with Carlo, the likes of Paul Doyle and Jer Cody. Also, how important is that experience to kind of drag the younger players on too, and to have that sort of you know what you've done in the background? Every everyone remembers it. Yeah, absolutely. Look, we we have a good a good mixture of uh, youth and experience there, so. You know, the kind of the, the elder states of the team, you know, the kind of keep everyone grounded and keep young guys grounded, don't, don't let them get carried away. And, you know, so, yeah, look, we we have spoke about, even after the Ferns game, you know, a few of the lads have told, the, lads, the younger lads know, they've, like, parked that now and the Tuesday night train, so that's gone. We have to look forward now, you know, just don't be, like, looking and reading up anymore, Yorks, and just forget about that now and you can look back on it over the Christmas. So, yeah, look, um, we, we, we hope that... Uh, I just really hope it goes well for the younger lads. You know, everyone was older lads, but it's a huge occasion for them younger lads. And you know, it's brilliant to be going out there with their club, and uh, hopefully, um, hopefully, it's a really memorable day. Is that something that you'll reiterate throughout the week, Jack, to the younger players? The fact that you can't become daunted or overawed by your surroundings, while it is everybody's dream to play in Crow Park, they just have to get on with the game at hand because it is such a game of importance that if even kind of lapse concentration for the first five or ten minutes, Kilmacool Croaks could potentially run right and vice versa, of course. Yeah, of course. Like like our own selector, Tom Dyle, um he be, he was just reiterating goes during the week there that he he hurled up there in the Christian Ring fine and he said it was the worst hour of his life uh, because the game had passed him by and there's an occasion that he he hates thinking about like and it should have been one of the best days of his career because he was hurling Crow Park for the first time and it was his only time he was just saying like that don't let that happen to you you know go up there's only four white lines two goal posts you know it's, it's no different than other field so 
you know, just once once we get up there, you know, we're there to do a job and we're not there to be looking around. We're not tourists up there, you know. We're we're looking looking to hopefully get back there the following week or whatever whatever the Leinster final is. But yeah, it's very important now that we don't let the occasion slip by and you know we don't we just want to get up there now and. I'm sure we will. Like you know, we we were kind of more experienced now, and we don't let these kind of big occasions get to us. Um, we kind of know we we know why we're there and what we're there to do. So um, it's just it's just very important now, that, like you said, that we just we don't go up there and be like a deer in the headlights looking around us and forgetting about what's what's really important. We spoke to your ma- or to your captain or to your star player that is um, rather Marty Cavanaugh of course has done wonders in a St Mullins jersey and in a Carlo jersey over the years he's returned from America this year and obviously he's involved with you at the moment and, and before the county final he said that your manager Morris Aylward who has also done great things for the club this year um, doesn't really concentrate too much on the opposition particularly in the Carlow County Championship is that something he's taken into the provincial campaign also that it's kind of all about yourselves and if you hurl to your potential you know it's going to be very very difficult uh, to stop you yeah absolutely you know, and, and you know, he has continued on that trend in, into the Leicester, Leicester campaign he really does focus on our strengths you know rather than getting caught up and trying to stop them hurling he wants us to hurl to our own strengths so uh, he, he doesn't he doesn't spend too much time with the opposition he obviously will Talk small bit about them, highlight a few small things, but we don't we don't overly complicate. We don't there's no big meetings, no big tactics. It's just you know you uh, just try to position us in the best positions where we can get best farmers out of us. And uh, you know I made a few changes there the last second, for moving Martin Mouse and uh, Connor to midfield, and I suppose she kind of moved me back into kind of a defensive role and you know it seemed to work you know so um, I'm sure they'll have something up their sleeve for next Sunday uh, we haven't really got the guy into it yet we just kind of we, we just um, just focus this week on um, just kind of getting their recovery in and we had a good session this morning and I'm sure that will come Tuesday night now we'll probably start talking a little bit about what we're, what we're going to do and we're going to play but um, yeah no definitely Morris, Morris, Morris plays um place with his own team strength rather than trying to nullify the opposition team. And of course, Marty is your younger brother, Jack, and your older brother, Chris, he hasn't been involved this year, unfortunately, due to a shoulder injury that he yeah. picked up. I'm sure he'd love to be involved in what has been a great run for the club. Ah, he would. It's uh, devastating for him, you know. He's given a lot to the club as well, and I suppose he kind of, he kind of goes uh, under the radar a bit, you know. Um, but um, he devastated for him. He, 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 I think it was the first game of the year, practice match, and we were away out of the county. He, he made bits of his shoulder he broke it very badly and he had to get a few operations and stuff so you know he's never said well look he's the first man to be there on the field after every game and he'd be supporting me the whole time and he'd always wish he looked so you know look it'd be great to, as much as he's not on the panel he's still very much part of it you know, he's, not, he's not forgotten about him. Um, yeah no look uh, it'd just be great to win it for at least them lads because they're the, like, the club lads are like they're the, the forefront of everything really yeah, they certainly are, and they set the sort of culture within a club. And a club like St Mullins has such a historic and a brilliant tradition. Do you believe in tradition as a player, Jack? Do you think almost the fact that you're representing St Mullins in Crow Park next weekend um, puts you maybe a bit further ahead, maybe than a club that are there for the first time or the second time? Um, not really. No, I, I just, I just, I do. I wouldn't really think too much into that kind of stance with you. Trying to play, take every game as it comes, rather than um, thinking about tradition and stuff like that. You know, um, every 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 game when team kind of takes on a, a life of their own and kind of the journey of their own. So 
you know, like you see teams can uh, it's great teams from all the other counties that have great tradition, but maybe after falling with the wayside there in the last couple of years. So, you know, it is hard to keep a thing going. Um, and luckily for this club, you know, we do have we do have a great tradition. And we always look back into the tradition of that, but you no, know, you kind of have to you have to kind of create your own tradition, I suppose, when you're on the current team and kind of you know kind of try and leave the, the club in a good place whenever you move on and for the last come behind you. And you know, I suppose we we do kind of have that in in, in our club. We never kind of go go away for too long. Uh, the Barons spell Liberty in 2002 and 2010, and I suppose since 2010 to now, we had a bit of success. We lost, I think, one six, last six finals, and you know, a brave breaking even. So, you know, we're, we're happy enough where we are at the minute as a club, and uh, hopefully we can keep um, making strides. And like this next Sunday is a huge strike for a club. It's, you know, a, a lot of people say it's, it's probably the biggest end of the club's history, which is it's, it's a, a privilege to be a part of it, you know. Here's the post-match reaction of Mullinavat manager Michael Aylward after his side bowed out of the Leinster Championship with a 5 points to 7 defeat against Wexford champions Fettered St. Mogues. I'm joined by Mullinavat manager Michael Aylward after his side's um, disappointing defeat to Fettered St. Mogues in today's Leinster Intermediate Football Championship semi-final. Michael, obviously... Commiserations, first of all, a really spirited performance by your side, but ultimately disappointment. Yeah, it's like severe disappointment for the lads. Like they played well, just got by by a better team, a little bit more cleverness at times. Um, we had chances, we didn't, we didn't, probably didn't convert them, but like can't um, can't fault any of the lads. Like they played to their best, and unfortunately, they came up a little bit short. It was a really low scoring affair, as I said, seven points to five was the final score. Uh, is the feeling kind of after the game that taking your chances in a game? like that is absolutely critical and maybe they've done that slightly better than needed it is you know I mean you, you only get so many chances and you have to be able to convert them like even points or goals whatever it is you just have to conversion has to be conversion rate has to be very high unfortunately we didn't today just got chances and just little wrong pass at times but look that's that's the way it rolled today and we just get on with it and in the first half in particular I think Michael Malone went through on goal twice the first one went just wide the second one was expertly saved and must be said by um, the opposition goalkeeper but I suppose I was at the games here against Bracknan and Shandana as well and when Malone was going through on goal he found the back of the net more often than not is that just the kind of little things that went against you today do you feel? Yeah little things you know what I mean like so just they, they were strong. They were a stronger team, a little bit more football savvy. You know what I mean? More like ourselves, stronger, physically strong. It's tough for oppositions. Our senior was the last 20, 25 years, just relegated last year. You know what I mean? Like it is a, it is a different level of football towards what we are used to, and I think we can only benefit from the game of football we play today. And it's a little bit disappointing the result, but sure, look as we we get up and we fight again and we go again next year on Kilkenny, and that's it. And is that the team, Michael? I suppose obviously today it's ultimately huge disappointment, but I was talking to Shane Kelly as well your, your right half back and I suppose when you reflect on the year it's been a great year again for Mullinavat winning in Kilkenny two great games here in Callan against Bracknell and Shandona as I mentioned and well as I said today you're a bit down I mean it has been another really really memorable year for the club football in ways yeah it has you know what I mean like this year like I said we won back the championship and we also won a league I'd say it was the first time a league final was played in years and just got a double this year two good games the last day and we had a very good game today it's just the result didn't go away and I think we can only improve from it and we have to go back and start now next February or March whenever it is and just heads up and go again 
and how important are games like this in terms of maybe going forward again next year if you were fortunate enough to, to be in a Leicester Championship again to, to know where the standard is and to know that you're not far off it at all in fact that you're probably at the same level as a lot of these clubs and just that extra little push could get you over the line yeah a small little bit extra like the thing is like if you're lucky enough to win Kilkenny next year you're still going to be playing intermediate a lot of these teams can be only coming up the first time or Bath being relegated the year before but the hardest game the hardest games we play next year will be the Kilkenny Championship first round out and if you don't win that you don't go any further and like Thomastown dethroned us we'd say in 21 and that was sore and we came back and regained it and that's what I was about like first day we go out next year we'd have to try and retain our title and everybody we have something everybody else wants and we have to try and hold on to it that's exactly it and I spoke to you after the first round game here against Bracknell Michael and you kind of um, passionately defended football in Kilkenny and said that there's a huge opportunity for it to grow if the powers that be maybe take that decision to grow the sport within the county would you reiterate that now because there just seems to be such a stem of sort of momentum behind this team um, in the Leinster Championship and you know, it, it doesn't seem to take an awful lot to get people behind the sport in the county no it doesn't like until I suppose 20 or 25 years ago the only clubs that played in this was the senior county teams and now you have intermediate and junior which gives other clubs a chance and it's a great it's a great opportunity it's great you know what I mean it's a bo- it's bonus territory and that's that's the most important thing like like we played league final last year and it was, it was on the same night as a championship semi-final I don't think that happens in hurling like it was dubbed as the one game like that's that's a bit unfair on both sets of players at least you're entitled to play a league final that doesn't happen in hurling like and it's completely wrong do you know what I mean just the way the draw worked out and maybe only if the draw worked out that way a league final wouldn't be played at all so I think I think it's a little bit unfair on the both clubs that played two the two matches in the one game like and that has to be changed run your competition run off the league competition get a winner out and then go along and play a championship it's done in hurling why can't it be done in football and just saying on a high note Michael obviously as I said today disappointing but looking back on the year winning the county championship two great victories here against Bracknell and Shandona there's been some really memorable days for Mullinavast supporters and football supporters in Kilkenny there is like that's that's the biggest um, that's the biggest benefit to the to the lads like okay they disappointed today with the result but they can hold their heads very high like they play football they died playing football and they didn't try anything else just play football to the best of their ability and like I said, uh, St. Most came up with a better. They were better on the day, on the scoreboard, and that's it. And that's where it counts. Well, Michael, commiserations today, but congratulations on some great memories throughout the year. And uh, hopefully, we'll be chatting to you again in the new year. I look forward to it. Hopefully, we'll, we'll give it a good rattle again. That's okay. exactly it. Thanks very much, Michael. Okay, thanks, Michael. See you later. Thanks, okay, Michael. Thanks very much. We're going to hear from Tyrone native Shane Kelly now, who's played his trade with Mullinavat for the duration of the year. I'm with Mullinavat Shane Kelly after their seven points to five defeat in the Leinster Club Intermediate Football Championship semi-final to Fetter St. Mogues today in John Locke Park in Callan. Shane, commiserations first of all. A really hard battle today. Just came out on the wrong side of it in the end. It was like it was just a real slog. Like you said, it was seven five there. I think it was I don't even know what it was half times four two or four three or something. It's just a real slog game. I kinda knew it was gonna be like that. Like they're a physical team, we're a physical team and I suppose conditions were a bit hit and miss, but the pitch was grand there in fairness. But no, it was a real slog. Like I suppose the biggest disappointment for us there is that we thought we were probably the better team. We left it behind us, I think we 
few bad decisions with shots and that and then they just they just got on top and in fairness to them they closed the game out really well like they held possession there for the last five minutes and we just couldn't get couldn't get a hand in on them so like congrats to Fettered like the scoreline says they, they were the better team so we can have no real comments about that but, but we're still disappointed anyway. How important was it and you alluded to it there maybe your shot selection not playing the extra pass or two at times maybe snatching at things particularly as the game wore on do you think that was critical in how the game actually panned out in the end? I, I think so like we were working the ball well and probably just a lack of patience at some times but like you know another day them shots go over and it's great but when you miss those shots and when you've had the ball for a few minutes it gives the other team a lift and now, they didn't really go up and punish us too much with them but again at the same time we weren't able to keep the scoreboard ticking over and we probably went goal chasing a bit too much in the first half and could have been fisting the ball over the bar taking our points and we could have kept right in it but we should look like we don't you take a shot you take a shot it's if it goes over it's great if you put it wide that's it but look we're when as a team loses a team so you can't really hold that against anybody as the game was kind of nearing its conclusion at, at five points each there seemed to be a foul on Park Daniel substitution for you in the penalty area and then they went up the other end got a key, key, key score through the corner for Key Burn and then kind of wrapped it up in the end with, with a, a late free it, was that mentioned after the game at all? I was very frustrated I must say watching on I, I thought it seemed to be a foul on Gan. it was mentioned in the, in the game it was mentioned a few times to the referee but your look the referee says that it was off he didn't have the ball but I suppose if you're fouled off the ball it's still a free like but um but look at the same time if it was a free or a penalty it still has to be still has to be put away and there's no there's no guarantee of that so look a few referees decisions went against us but a few went against them as well so um, I don't think we can one decision really really changed it from that, that side of it it was more our own decision making really probably cost us more than any decisions from the referee and obviously it's disappointment today but in the weeks and months to come you'll look back on what has been an incredible year for Mullen about winning the county championship two great days here in Callan defeating Brackna and Sean Dunna. Um for football in Mullen about and for football in Kilkenny in general I mean it's done an awful lot to see that a club can go on a run in a provincial campaign well that's it too and then I suppose there's, there's 12 of us were involved in the Kilkenny team that won the junior All-Ireland as well so you know, the boys down here absolutely love it like whenever I moved down here first football was the last thing in my mind but you know it was great getting in there and getting involved with them and they like said the start of it like when you lose when it's not we didn't lose because we're not able to play football we, we lost because a few things didn't go our way and luck of the draw and all of that but you know everybody in that pitch can, can hold their heads high there's there's definitely football in Kilkenny like we're, we're a kick of, kick of the ball away from our second Leinster final so there's not many teams in, in Ireland can say that they were they were that close to getting into a second professional final so there's definitely football in, in, in Kilkenny in general and, and in fact we just I suppose the lads just love it here and once you're once you win a few games getting the success it's you know it's easy to follow it on but um, look hopefully we'll be back back at this stage next year but um I know in Kilkenny like with a big target on our back so that will not be easy in itself but sure we'll take every game as it comes from now on and your own story Shane is very unique could you let our listeners know how does a Tyrone man end up playing football in Kilkenny <laughs> I suppose uh, I was out in Australia there for a while and I fell in with playing football with Mick Malone and sure just through a couple of nights out got met, met a girl from down here and she dragged me all the way down so <laughs> once I heard I played football then they got their hooks in them here and no one let me go so <laughs> sure I'm here for life now you, know. you certainly are well Shane hard luck today but uh, once again congratulations on a great year with Mullen and Rat and we wish you the best of luck in 2023 cheers Ronnie. thank you see you later now it's time to hear from the winners fettered St Moog's first up is their centre forward Mikey Dwyer
And with Fetter St. Moog centre forward Mikey DeWire after their seven points to five defeat of Kilkenny senior champions Mullinavat in today's Leinster Intermediate Football Championship semi-final. Of course, you progress to the final now. Mikey, congratulations, first of all. A really hard-fought victory today. Um, how tough was that out there? Oh, look, we're, we're just delighted to get over the line. Um, we knew coming up here, the presence that Mullinavat would have on the field, especially going up the middle. You know, they have um, John Walsh. They have a lot of good uh, hurlers that kind of transfer into football as well. So we knew um, if we didn't let them get ahead in the first half, because we know by looking at their last few matches, they went up by eight or nine points each game. So if we kind of, you know, stuck it out and then get them in the second half, uh, we knew we'd have a chance. But once we kept the goals out, then in the first half, we knew we had a good chance to kind of drive on. But I suppose then in the second half, it was six six there, but ten minutes to go and. It didn't look too great now. Um, we, we, we gave away a few silly frees. Um, I thought they were going to get the upper hand, but we thankfully, I think we got a free with Keane Byrne. Um, he stuck it over very well, and that kind of settles again. Um, so, yeah, just kind of pushed on from there. But, like, as I said, could went either way, and we have the higher respect from all of that. We know how much they, how serious they take their football, and I know they're a great, they're a great side, so credit to them as well. Just to let our listeners know, I suppose, if they're not involved with it, with the club side of things these days, how much homework would you have done ahead of this game on Mullen Avat particularly? Is there a lot of kind of work done on the opposition, particularly with Nye now on the Leinster final? I suppose it'll be the same process again. Yeah, well, like, we got to the junior All-Ireland uh, in Hurland three years ago, and analysis was pretty much zero. Um, I suppose this year... The analysis has been lost a lot, a lot higher. We have, I think, on Fridays before matches, we discuss like how to break down the teams and in training we'd kind of we train based on that team we want to play. So like in the analysis side of things, the last year in comparison to say three years ago, there's a there's a big difference and it does help because you need it and we know like in Leinster, nearly every team has an analysis. So um, yeah, that's why we think it's very beneficial to us because it does help us you know we know when we're going into matches the, th- the way they play and who you're going to mark it's all off the left foot or the right foot we kind of have all that kind of done before we go into the war zone you know So, and, and on the game itself today um, Mikey five points each I think it was heading into kind of the last five minutes and you get the last two scores of the game how key was it at that stage when it was really tight I think um, Mullinavat had just got a score to equalise to kind of calm things down and go again and take your chances when they came yeah, geez, when Mullenbach came level with, I, I, I myself, I got, I got an awful fright. Um, it was just like nearly the luck of winning the, winning the kicks. They have two big, very strong midfielders there. So just that we won that kick out and we went up the line and we drew the free. But like other than that, if we didn't get that free or the ball was dispossessed at that time, like Mullenbach could have walked away with that game. Do you know, it was, it was nip and tuck, and we're just thankful on the winning side because that game could have went anyway. Like you know, so and such a big crowd up here today as well from from your own club I suppose it'll be an even bigger crowd now for the Leinster final it'll be a wonderful location really looking forward to it now oh geez, I can't wait um, like these things you know you're, you're you're walking in a bit of history here especially for our club and it's rare like the likes of Kenny clubs and Wexford clubs will get to Leinster finals so we're going to just try, cherish that moment when we get there and hopefully drive on and win Yeah. well, well done today Mikey and no thanks problem. very much for speaking to me thanks a million That was Mikey DeWire catching up with us here on Scoreline. We also caught up with his teammate, Martin Doyle. I'm 
with Martin Dial of Fettered St. Moggs after their seven points to five defeat of Kilkenny Senior County Champions Mullinavat in today's Leinster Club Intermediate Semi-Final in John Locke Park in Callan. Martin, uh, congratulations first of all, a really hard-fought victory today. Yeah, look, uh, thanks very much. We knew Mullinavat were going to be a serious outfit. Look, they've, they're after being big kings in Kilkenny there for the last five or six years and, you know, they went to, had a good spell there in the Leinster um, a couple of years ago. So we knew what Mullinavat were going to bring to the table today. Um, I suppose they're a big physical outfit. We wouldn't be as physical than them. So we knew if we played to our strengths, you know, um, kept the ball moving, that we'd we'd uh, we'd hopefully have the, the right tools to beat them. Thankfully, that's the way it turned out. How did you approach this game? You mentioned Mullinavat's physicality there. Was it about kind of moving the ball quickly and maybe avoiding going into the tackle with them? Or how did you go about setting out to face Mullinavat? Yeah, look, as I said, we we had we'd done our homework on them, I suppose. Um, we knew there's a good few of the guys we would have known from Good Council as well over the years. So we kind of knew, um, you know, from, from here in bits and pieces that they're such a physical team. So look, the way we played all year was kind of that quick ball, uh, keep the ball moving, keeping it out of the middle anyway. So it wasn't that anything kind of drastically changed for us. But um, yeah, look, thankfully it went out on the day anyway. How much character did you show, particularly near the end of the game? They pulled it back to five points apiece. You're thinking the game's on the knife edge here, it could go either way, but you get those final two scores. Um, how, how much kind of, how impressed were you by your own side in terms of being able to see the game out from there? Yeah, look, to be fair, the boys are a great bunch. You know, we've, we've, uh, every, every game this year, we've had to dig it out there at the end. Um, we've, we've went to the well plenty of times and uh, we have, we've probably missed about one four there uh, coming up to the end and Mullenvap got a back level, so it was very tough. But uh, look, thankfully we notched on the last couple of scores and we have a Leinster final to look forward to now. Yeah, and of course that Leinster final will be in two weeks' time, but your run to this final, I think you won the county final by a single point. Really good victories then against the Heat and against Greystones in the previous rounds and obviously today again against Mullenvap. You could see with the scenes at the end and a huge crowd have travelled up for today's game. That It just seems to mean so much, not just for you as players or the management team, but for the whole club as well. Yeah, look, sure, it's great. Sure, look, we're only a little small parish from down the bottom of Wexford. You know, there's a great... Uh, the whole parish it gives the whole parish a boost you know when we're on a bit of a run um, thankfully we obviously, as you said we won the Leinster or, or we won the county I should say we have a Leinster fi- final to look forward to now sure I think today was our 11th game this year so um, look hopefully now we have one big step ahead of us and you know hopefully that comes out well for us well we wish you nothing but the very best of luck in the final Martin and uh, congratulations on the win today cheers Robbie thanks a million While one of the Vats venture in the Leinster Championship has ended, James Stevens will continue on to the decider in the Leinster Intermediate Camogie Championship final after a 9 points to 8 defeat of St. Bridget's in Saturday's semi final. We're now going to hear from James Stevens player Keir Delaney. Keir Delaney, you have the biggest smile on your face of any of the James Stevens players. What a victory! a one point victory against St Bridges of Leash there give us your thoughts on the match yeah I suppose like we didn't have the best start uh, we tend to do that a lot but we tried to just get our heads focused and uh, dig it out like you know uh, we said in half, at half time we kind of just gave ourselves a talk just to relax take a deep breath and just play the game we know how to play um, and I think we went out and did it then in the second half just we got four points in a row and it just showed then what we could do 
tell us about half time because getting one point you had chances they weren't going over that bit unlucky the ball was just breezing off away yeah. out to the left or the right of the post but what was John and the rest of the boys saying to you like at half time no they were just very encouraging like they weren't you know there was nothing we could do we didn't we still did a lot of work in the first half trying to do getting in the hooks and the blocks and putting in that work but it just wasn't we weren't getting the scores obviously with the wind and stuff but um, no they were very encouraging like just to go back out use the wind be smart with the ball just keep moving that's one thing that they always want us to do is just keep moving and especially in the forwards and just stick tight in the backs then that was kind of the game we were going for and I think we did it then in the end he certainly did your work rate in the second half was unbelievable not that you're bad now in the first half but you certainly upped it in the second half I mean yeah. the amount of turnovers that she gave St Bridget's it was a complete role reversal like you gave no time on the ball in the second half yeah no I'm looking forward I hope someone I think we had someone doing the stats the last day so hopefully we have someone doing it um, with the turnovers today and we'll see how we went um, and how many we got each I mean winning a county final was great you went into Leinster bonus territory beating Raharney of Westmeath in the quarter final coming up again a strong St Bridget's of Leash team who were fancied to yeah. beat you today as well by a lot of people except yeah. us we did tippy to win don't forget that now as well but to get into a Leinster final like what does it mean to yourself and the rest of the girls Jeez, it's absolutely brilliant like I suppose it's something we always dreamed of with the village um, like we got a knock there a few years ago going down to junior and then we lost the junior county final and it took us an extra year then to get back up to intermediate but I I think that extra year actually helped us then and even last year I don't think we, we would have been ready for this standard going into the Leinsters last year if we won but this year everyone is just so focused like the training is just unbelievable especially with uh, Tots and Chuck coming in and they're just driving us on like with John Philly and Brian and everything um, they're all just so encouraging in training and stuff and like we really put in the work like we do let's say with this team we knew that they were kind of a pass and move team so that's what we focused on in training we like you know our forwards would be passing and moving and trying to get through our backs and stuff so we, we did train for this team as well you know yeah. prepared for them and it's Kilkenny Carlo final Moisha coming out with a one point victory as well again the oh, of meat yeah so uh, yeah you have Moisha now next Sunday in the final yeah I suppose we'll have to do our, our homework on them now as well and see how training goes we're back in training now tomorrow morning no breaks no week off this week <laughs> no we're going to go in for a puck around tomorrow just to keep training just keep the touch going there's no point in stopping now because we only have the week to prepare for this well Kira Delaney congratulations you're the happiest girl in James Stevens, and why wouldn't you be and best luck in the final and as you said you'll be looking forward to the podcast now on Tuesday yeah. who do you think we're going to tip <laughs> obviously the village <laughs> best luck next week anyway. thanks very much Ryan And here's the thoughts of her teammate, Neve Daly. Neve Daly, hearts and mouth moments there for lots of a uh, period of the second half in that game in particular. But what a fantastic victory for you to come out and beat St. Bridget's of Leash by a point and get into the Leinster final. What's your thoughts after a few minutes now after the final whistle? Yeah, um, oh look, it hasn't even sunk in yet. I'm just delighted we got over the line can't believe it really um, a testament to the girls like we just we just dug it out and stayed going um, this, we just, I think we just showed a lot of character um, we have a great bunch of girls there and just showed unreal spirit to get over the line so happy out Going in a five points down at half time what was the mood like in the dressing room? Um, look, we knew we hadn't we knew we hadn't hurled really um, so we just we just took a breath and just said look 
try and figure out what we need to do, play like we can. And um, like I, we, we didn't blame the win, but we knew it had a big factor. And going out into the second half, we kind of used that to our advantage and drove it on then from there. Curtailing St. Bridget's to two points in the second half. They didn't score for 22 and a half minutes. That was testament to your work rate, especially in the second half. He really came out all guns blazing, and especially when Emma, 15 seconds into it, just put a ball over the bar. It seemed to drive you on and give you a great boost of confidence going forward. Yeah, um, unbelievable from Emma from from minute one. Like we knew, we, we knew we had to go out and up the work rate. Like it was, it just wasn't good enough in the first half. And uh, credit to the six backs back there. Like they they dug it out, didn't let Anthony in. Like I said, they didn't score for 22 minutes, so credit to the girls back there. And just overall, I think in the second half, we just put the heads down and just, just drove it on. You're an All-Ireland winner with <laughs> Kenny. You're playing with James Stevens. You're an Ashbourne Cup winner with you, or DCU, I should say, getting Player of the Year match in the final this year as well. But what does it mean to you and the rest of the club to be now playing in the Leinster final next Sunday? Oh, sure, look, it's the club is where it's where you start when you're young, and it's where you where you have your best friends. Um, so it's it's just we're just buzzing for it, looking forward to it so much. Um, can't wait to go out and play next again now. And Michael in the final, you couldn't beat it. We were hoping it might be a Kenny Carlo yeah. final all during the week, not yeah. putting pressure on you or anything. No. But um, it is going to be yourselves and Michael now. It's going to be a great occasion. Yeah, absolutely. Can't wait. Heard they're a very good outfit, so so we'll we'll just give it our all. Um, we've a good bit to improve on, so we'll we'll go out next next Sunday, all guns blazing again. John, not giving you the week off this week? No, no, we're back out tomorrow morning. <laughs> Well, well done on a fantastic victory today and we wish you the very best of luck next week as Thanks, well. Martin. Thanks. James Stevens selector Liam O'Connor called up with Martin Quilty after the game. Liam O'Connor... Another happy James Stevens man today. But was there any point in that game at all that you thought it wasn't going to be our day after a one-point victory? Uh, probably at times, Martin. I mean, with six minutes to go, uh, they got a pint to put them four pints up. And probably the ref was a small bit harsh. So I don't like to be critical of a ref because, I mean, at the end of the day, there's no game without a ref. But um, the game, I thought, was slipping a small bit away from us. But at that stage, our girls battled on. And we are always kind of talking to them all through the season about having spirit and never uh, great wit, never... They were never dead, were never beaten, and they always just battle on and battle on. And it's something as I said to you earlier: you can't coach. It's endemic. It comes from within, and it came from those players within there today. They got four scores within uh, on the bounce in a row, not playing particularly well, but battling it out. That's what you want. And that was it. Was a battle to oh, yeah. be fair. I mean, the elements were tough in the first half. Talked to us about that going in at six points to one down, not scoring, and I think it was the twenty-sixth minute in the first half. He had a couple of chances. They just didn't go your way. So what was the message at half time well I suppose it was just to keep hurling and uh, I mean you know the wind wasn't going to win the match for us but we felt in the first half we hadn't actually really hurled up to maybe 60% of our potential probably missed a chance from score uh, score from play and Sophie was unfortunate with a free that went wide they equally had a free that went wide that they probably should have taken so we were comfortable enough five points was a strong breeze but at the end of it uh, the wind is not going to win the match for you the girls have to take it on themselves and we did and there was times I mean if you remember in the first maybe 10-11 minutes of the game we brought it back to a pint game they came down the field and then fair play to Bridges 
they're a good team they're well drilled big strong physical team and I thought it was a, an honest game of camogie yeah. in fairness it was every team both the Bridges girls and our girls emptied the tank and they all you know I mean you look at the score today 9-8 for our match I think Michael won the other semi-final 8-7 yeah. so like it's winter hurling it's not always about the, the actual uh, fancy dance or, 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 or glorious scores going to win the match so. Your work rate in the second half was unbelievable uh, you know it was good in the first half but whatever you said to the girls at half time I mean the turnovers and the amount of them that you got again Bridget's in the second half was phenomenal the girls just really tore into I think what we done Martin was we, we just repeated what we'd said, we'd said to them all through the years that keep working keep working it's about the next ball if you make a mistake what about it like you don't drop your heads and they didn't they kept on going and going and going and even if we get a score we go on to get the next ball and get the next score and the next score if we can't see the ball or a girl gets a, a, say a foul against you or gets a booking or whatever we keep going and, and that's the way it has to be because I have a great saying that you can only control the next ball you can't control what's gone what's gone is in the past and it's the next ball and that's the one that you can control and we're big believers and John in particular we're big believers in, in, in giving that to the girls that we control our controllables you know, we can't control the ref, we can't control what they're doing to a point, we can control them, but we certainly can control our own uh, contribution, and the girls done that. Before Bridget's went to eight points to five ahead after, a harsh is enough call, I suppose, for overcarrying against one year backs. Michelle Tien and Emma Minogue, both of them had a fantastic run down the field. Emma passed the ball to Michelle. Michelle hit the butt of the post. What was your thoughts at that? I mean, from where I was looking, I thought it was a, a search of a goal, but just that small little bit of unluckiness. It was actually Sophie Dewar hit the ball. Was it Sophie? Yeah, yeah Sophie. And fierce unlucky. And I mean, another girl would have, you know, just hit the ball over the bar. But typical of Sophie, she goes for the juggler. That's why she's at the Kilkenny Senior Panel. I mean, she came on in that final and scored a winning goal there as well. So we're encouraging the girls to take responsibility. At all times, the girl in the best position has to get the ball. But if that girl is you, you take on the responsibility. And in fairness to her, she took on the responsibility. Ball hit the upright. So what? I mean, at the end of the day, as I said to you earlier, we go for the next ball. If it's a puck out, we try and win the puck and we get on to the next score. And it has to be that way because this time of the year, I've been involved with teams in the village under 21 and normally I call it jungle hockey. This time of the year, it's winter hurling. It's two hands in the hurl and it's not always the nicest hurlers win the match. Probably not, but to be fair to Sophie as well, she was after missing a couple. You could see that maybe the confidence was after dropping a small little bit. But those last three frees that she hit over, I mean, she definitely had ice in her veins because they were immaculate. They were nowhere near going wide or anything. And that winning points that she got as well, the pressure from the supporters and everyone else to get that winning point as well to the fantastic score yeah well there's an old saying form is temporary class is permanent and Sophie Dewar is one of the best free takers not alone in Kilkenny but in Ireland so we have every confidence in Sophie Dewar she stood up and the need was great as Sophie put the ball over the bar and that's what she's there for and if Sophie won't put it over the bar we've other girls who put the ball over the bar so we're happy enough with where we are but we're still conscious Martin we've won a semi-final yeah. we've a final to play next Sunday week I'm always of the opinion that it takes you probably two weeks to prepare adequately for a match it takes you a week to come down off a high after winning it takes you a week to prepare to get ready for the next match we've got to condense that into 8 days and we will we'll be ready for next Sunday in Clayton at 2 o'clock against Michael and we'll do Kilkenny justice not to rain on the parade obviously it's great to be in the final for yourselves it's your first time ever Michael have been that little bit seasoned before they have been there so we'll probably go in slight favourites to the game but you won't care you're there in the final and anything can happen on the day 
one ball, Martin 15 against 15, and I believe the best girls win. We'll take it on. What does it mean, though, uh, Liam, to the club here in itself, like to be in your first ever Camogie big day, the Leinster final, coming up against a team like Moishal as well? What does it mean to the club? Well, it's tremendous because, I mean, the village is a big club. It's been there since 1887, so it's been around a long, long time. And the one thing that I was conscious, and even Brian McAvoy said it to me as well, for a club the size of the village, it was, pro- I don't say a slur against the club, but I mean, it was a big, big onus on the club to actually go senior, to be a senior Camogie team as well as being a senior Hurling team. And we take pride in that. And in fairness to that team in there, in the last four years they've been in four county finals. They've only been beaten twice in Championship Hurling in four years. That's fair. That's fair commitment. Fair commitment and fair consistency. And uh, one thing I compliment our girls is everything. We've 31 girls on the panel. Anything they're asked to do, they contribute. They just put their shoulders to the wheels and they will go and they'll do it. And their application, the honesty, their commitment. I mean, we had a girl there, Chloe Power, playing cornerback today. She's uh, supposed to be in uh, the West Coast of America today. She's supposed to be away for the last week on a three-week break. She put it off. So that's what you want. I mean, you can't ask for any more. Like, they're all amateur girls. Some are coming from Dublin for training. Some are girls coming from Cork. Some girls coming from Limerick. And you see the weather has been the last four or five weeks, and they're keeping coming. Well, fair play to them all, and fair play to you and all the management team as well. Well done on a great victory today, and we wish you the best of luck next Sunday in the final. Thanks, Martin. Appreciate that. Thanks for An ecstatic James Stevens Camogie chairman Brian Lahey also caught up with Martin Quilty. Brian Lahey, you may not have poked a ball on the field with the girls, but I could see you on the sideline. You were poking every ball with him on the uh, the sideline as chairman of the club. What does it mean after getting to the Leinster final and defeating St Bridges this afternoon? huge huge win for the club and for the parish we had a good crowd there today which is great from the hurling side but it's massive we know what the girls have put in all year Martin they've put in savage Chuck Connor we had a meeting last night in the club and he said it's our 43rd session since we went up the All-Ireland day we went up to play uh, a challenge match and we were together 43 times since so they've put in massive work but it is not good for your heart on the sideline watching that match <laughs> and three points down with a few minutes to go no <laughs> Oh, it's certainly not but in fairness to the girl I mean, I mean it shows great character I mean their work race in the second half was unbelievable they never faltered you could say you know they drove it on right to the final whistle and I mean I even said it to Liam earlier on I mean Sophie was after missing a, a couple of frees that maybe she would have expected to put over you yeah. know confidence might have been a bit low but them last three frees and the last one in particular to win the game I mean what an achievement pressure yeah great under pressure but as you said it was the work rate and we told them that there's spirit in the team they're, they're being together four years now and we said it to them have confidence going out they're only bet twice in four years junior final intermediate final so we said have confidence in your ability and if you go behind you know you're still in it and keep working and working and working and in fairness the engine room there and Michelle, Neve, Emma Minogue out around the centre third is massive now it was all over the field but them three in particular never you'll never get the better of them 
as chairman of a club, you're never without having a job to do in the background and keeping things going. I mean, you've kept the Camogie Club going here for a long time, in fairness to you. Um, I mean, the county final was a great victory. You know, progressing through Leinster was great. But as chairman of the Camogie Club, what does it mean to yourself and all of the clubs actually now get into the Leinster final? It's huge, huge for the club and even for the younger girls to see our intermediate girl or adult girls, as we call them, doing well. We had we finished up an under twelve um, uh, end of year session. The one, uh, the two shields in the club two weeks ago. And affairs, Neve Dealey came in, presented all the medals, and stayed there for a half an hour. And all the kids going up to him. And that's what a club is all about. The parents were all there. There was about a hundred in the club for this under twelves, and they getting to see the likes of. You know, Neve Dealey to say one day that could be me, and that's what builds a club. At the end of the day, it's parish community, and we're all in it together. And it hopefully brings us on. We're into a Leinster final, and hopefully we can go on and win it now and keep the momentum going. Be great getting into the All Ireland semi final as well, and bringing home another trophy. And the Leinster wants the club for the first time ever. but I mean to a, a club like James Stevens as well I mean to have the likes of Liam there you have John there you know Brian McAvoy is now in with him as well I mean the experience that those three fellas have alone I mean you don't get it in many other places to be fair you don't and it's a, it's a funny one Emma Gaffney joined us and uh, she came down from Galway and she got it she was working in Glambia and she was in we won't hold that again or no no and she uh Someone was asking her, oh, who's over the team? And he named it out. John Scott, Brian Lahey, Philly Larkin, Brian McAvoy, Chuck O'Connor. He said, no, the Camogie team, not the hurling team. Like, those lads, Chuck O'Connor trained the senior team. Yeah. Philly's been involved with the senior Camogie team here and numerous teams in Scotty, the same with the intermediate team. So we've all been involved with teams in the club, which were born and reared in the village and, you know, giving everything back to the club as much as we can. So it's great. And some of the girls, they know that as well. And they know they're lucky to have such, you know, good people over them, driving them on. And Tots and Chuck in particular, particular brought a new element to it this year myself Philly and Scotty have been with them since they're under 6 and 8 because we all have girls playing but the two boys come in no kids playing in it but they're loving every minute of it and can't wait to keep going and you can see it on the sideline as well I mean it's infectious I was talking to Liam there earlier on I mean you can see the passion that he has not only for the sport but for the club as well it really is infectious it is and as I said they want to take it one match at a time we knew today was going to be a dogfight we saw Bridges playing against Cam Ross in the final we looked at the video we knew there were a few parishes you know linked in together so they were, they were going to be a strong team and it took the best of us to get over it and I'm sure they're very disappointed and it was a very even game a draw probably wouldn't have been a bad result for both teams but we're glad to get over the line and momentous got it over at the end so we've a Leinster final to look forward to now short turnaround we're actually training in the morning at half ten just to get the girls a little run out and we'll focus on next Sunday's match now Well you're keeping us going as well because we have a bit more to discuss on Come On Kind <laughs> now on Tuesday as Kira told me she's going to be looking forward to the, the episode already Yeah exactly It's it's uh, and I was there it's on a Monday night Tuesday night because I'd be in work and I'm looking it up and a few times I looked on a Tuesday morning and it wasn't there so I have nothing to listen to now today I'd have to wait till the next day so it is it's great and you know everyone is listening to it and in the club and to be sneering to be there oh you were on it last night or Scotty you were on it so it's, it's great bit of banter as well in the club talking about it uh, yeah well look we look forward to Tuesday night uh, no Monday night actually the, this week because the convention is Tuesday night but the very best of luck to yourselves next Sunday against Moishan no doubt we'll be there following your journey as well yeah thanks Martin and just want to say thanks to the county board Leinster council for all the help Kevin Hennessy particularly getting the field ready for today you know the heavy pitches there all the rain they got in and got a cut on it Wednesday when it was even soft so there's a lot of people behind us and helping us within the, the club and the parish and the county so thanks to everyone well, well said best luck thanks thanks, thanks Martin
Thomastown won their first ever JJ Cavan and Sons Kilkenny Under 21 Ryan A Hurling Championship on Sunday following a 5-18 to 6-12 defeat of Moonkine in the final in UPMC Nolan Park. After that game, Thomastown manager Ken Walsh chatted with Brendan Hennessy. Ireland, I suppose we were unlucky. Ken, you're the first Spanish story I hadn't to go looking for. I know you didn't see me, but I spotted you coming away there and I just bumped into you. Listen, uh, I'm going to start off and say congratulations. And uh, first ever for Thomas Town to win under 21, but I have to congratulate you on the performance. And I'm sure you'll be the first to congratulate Moonkine on the performance. What a game of hurling. Yeah, I suppose you're not really conscious of it. You know it's, the standard is so high out in the field, but you're so involved in the game yourself. You're not kind of thinking, God, this is brilliant stuff. Do you know what I mean? Like you would if you're up in the stand watching it. Um, exactly like you said, I mean, Moonkine fantastic team and I suppose it shows like look Kenny are the under 20 All-Ireland champions so I mean, this is the nearest grade to that level and it kind of tells its own story when you saw the standard here of the, of the game I suppose that look that's why Kenny are under 20 champions and the future is bright not just for Munkai and Thomas but for the county in general I think you know As a, as a Banished door and as a panel you worked very well to the year changes made big it worked really well R- Rory Cannell and Alex Cass and Sean O'Keefe played his part as well Ronnie was wondering did they get a pumpture coming that the, they got in he says you know you can't play everybody but when they played yeah. they really played well but collectively I'd say you're absolutely thrilled with your panel performance delighted actually yeah and like I suppose we didn't play Alex and Rory every game we brought them on Brendan Spridge done a Magan last week which also went extra time and every game they made a big impact when they came in to have that you know because there's no point in say we knew we had a good 15 without starting them but to have that we knew they were kind of good lads to come in and to have that that you're not looking at the bench wondering God what are we going to do here we need to change it up here a bit and look it, it, it proved it today and then Sean came on at extra time there like he was fantastic he was very disappointed the last couple of weeks like he was going fierce well guys placing the junior A team during the year got a bad injury in the middle of the summer and came back and it's been a long road back from but like you saw him there today I think he covered every blade of grass and he came on and fair play to him you know he bounced so. back really well because goal fest I mean they started off with two cracking goals from James O'Keefe Lee Tracy and I know as a manager of a team I said well we're, we're, we're not going to fall away we have to stay in it and to be fair to a man you stayed in it but they got it off to a splendid start but you really got back into it yeah um, the thing is like we were quite happy with how we were hurling it was a couple of mistakes and like a good team and credit to kind, they, they nailed us every time we made a mistake some days you might get away with one or two of them but this one kind team they just every time they took it but our game plan we had a game plan worked out and that was working it wasn't through any fault of our game plan and like we hit the 11 wides as well in the first half so we knew we were hurling well and to keep going and that if we kept going we would get our chances maybe to tighten up on the little mistakes and cover for each other a little bit better which we did do and thankfully like we got it to the extra time do you know underdog tag suitage as well because Moonkine were Ronnie said to me they were strong favourites but I always say uh, Thomas Town are competitive people and great in, in finals and looking into it's over the last number of years but you know extra time really worked out well for you it did I suppose look I kind of had a feeling when we got it at that stage after beating Dunham Megan in extra time last week that we might have had a little edge there um, in every game like we're four points down against the bridge with five minutes to go and we came storming into it in the end and there was a good bit of injury time and we won that game by five points and then we um, we came back and tapping the back of the wreck and mentioned Dempsey there. He's tried to make it laugh. Yeah, and the other chap Keen Moore gone yeah, in there, like, you know, back, yeah. they're, they're two hardy devils, like, you know, so they're, they're great chaps, like, you know, so any manager would be delighted to have them on the team, yeah, you know. You got so. a dream start in that extra time. You went five points up. We did. I think that was, and the same happened last week. You know, we got that. I suppose our captain Eddie Donnelly said it started to rain, and like, the same as last week at the start of extra time, it started to last rain. And Eddie says, This is our rain. Do you know what I mean? I knew the boys were in good form coming into the extra time, and that we would, I just thought we had a little advantage coming into 
to it and thankfully that's how approved some score in the end 33 points in total to 30 only have a puck of a ball between yeah, and, and, and I'm sure you were panicking over there probably in a little bit because a long high ball went in there and they could have brought it to penalties yeah they did sure um, that ha- wing forward there number 12 caught it I can't think of his name now but uh, uh, James had a hunting yeah, yeah and he looked like Jesus he was bearing down on goal but I think there could have been three or four blocks and hooks that went in the boys just really put bodies on the line it was, it was fantastic out I mean we're saying yeah the forwards got the scores up and but my god the backs did some job and yeah, your work ethic was fantastic it was unreal and geez, there was no way they could have they could have bent down and let him through but they just kept getting that little flick that little block and uh, you know look thanks for the god we held them out and, and, and we, we got we got the wind end like you know so it was uh, just yeah. a word for your backroom team Ken you have a, a fine few men with you there John Donnelly Peter O'Hanron Donald Farrell I know Fiona Canellan has got to get a mention too as your doctor and uh, I know Maguire's have been sponsoring you there during the years but your backroom team has been excellent oh, they have like I mean tis, um, I, have Jack, I have Jack with me there with the junior A's this year as well and last year you know and we had the 21s and 19s so like I know Jack since I remember when I made my debut when I was 19 with Thomastown Intermediate Challenge game and I was Jack was full back and I was good in corner back and John Brennan was a manager who said you'll have no a good one John yeah, and he said John Donnelly you'll have no bother Ken. oh not at all he says great I always remember that it stood in my head you know what I mean that kind of and like I mean Donal and, and, and Peter look what they did with the minors this year it was yeah. some job of work they did like you know so um, like yeah we had a really good strong um, backroom team coming in and it's great like you're at nothing without good selectors and look we did debate things and, and, and argued over the team a bit the other night and we're picking teams and what we're going to do but there's no good having yes men with you you need to have lads that'll do you know what I mean a couple of different but we were very much on the same hymn sheet in, te- in terms of our game plan that we want to initiate and all that kind of stuff and we kind of knew what we wanted and we knew we could all pinpoint exactly what Thomas needed to get over the line here and thanks for the God that worked out for us and before I go lots of teams bringing outside managers you're a, a local man you're a Thomastown man you're a proud man today oh delighted sure yeah, I, I, look I, I, um, I love Thomastown I always have done I've always been a real home bird um, do you know I love I love hurling and like yeah I've just I've just been involved once I finished hurling myself about 10-11 years ago you um, still look fresh enough Ken you can get back in at it <laughs> no, not at all. I'm, I'm nearer to 50 than 40 now so um, look it's just um, I enjoy doing the bit of coaching with the lads there and it's great to see see when you get a reward like this and look it's a, it's a long process and hopefully look we'll get up to senior soon and we'll be in a good place when we do get up there well, I, mean, I congratulate you you have a fine bunch of men there great performance well done Thomastown GA commiserations to Moonkind but Ken as the winning banished door congratulations and great and uh, we look forward to dealing with you in the not too distant future you're bringing down the curtain on the domestic scene here in Kilkenny and it's a great effort for the people of Thomastown. So just a word for your supporters and the people listening back home. Oh, well, look, the support is fantastic. And I obviously with Thomastown, like, um, Thomastown always is a fantastic support. And we've been through a lot the last couple of years with the disappointments. And look, everyone was really down after the, the, losing the intermediate there again. But there's a lot of happy faces there today. And I'm just thrilled for everyone. Do you know what I mean? All, the, all our supporters, like, it's fantastic to see it. And look, just hope they all enjoy it now. And up, onwards and upwards now next year again. Well, we all enjoyed it today. You enjoyed the celebrations, Ken. And thanks for having a word with Casey Lauren. Happy Christmas to you and your family. And to all the team. Thanks, Brendan. Take care. Thank oh, you. Man, thanks a million for thanks, that. Brendan. Listen, no bother. Brendan also got the post-match reaction of Thomastown full forward Jack Holden. Now I'm with the Thomastown full forward Jack Holden. Jack, well done. I think you finished with one five there, but uh, what a team performance! You said it to Peter, and what a game! Unreal, yeah, sure. Delighted to go over the line in the end. After after a normal time, sure, extra time. Last weekend we went to extra time again against Dunmagan, and sure, we got over the line then, and sure we got over the line again today. Unreal. Great match to play in. Great match to win. Unreal, yeah. Sure, look, the whole team was unbelievable. Sure, the work right out there was savage, and sure we got over the line then. 
And can I ask, I know teams don't reveal their secrets, but on full time when it was back to level and you were heading for extra time, he had a splendid extra time. What was the word from the banished door as you headed into extra time? Because you seemed to play brilliant hurling. I sure, just stay working. Work rate is key to winning the game. And sure, against other Magan as well, we went to extra time. We had the experience to grind out the win, sure. And then we drove on then from there. OK, it'll be a bit of a celebration tonight. No, just a bit, yeah. Well, listen, enjoy it. You were, to a man, you were excellent today. Well done on your great performance. Well done, Thomas Stone. Thanks very much. Well done, Jack. Good man. Thank you. Thanks. And finally, Brendan caught up with Thomas Stone midfielder Peter MacDonald. Pardon for me. Wait, here it is now. Peter McDonald, centre fielder for Thomas Town. You got a goal and six points in my tally, but I have to say, what a game. What a game. Absolute goal fest. Uh, oh, it's not often we come out on the right side of them ones, but about time we got there today. 5.18 was your total after extra time to uh, 6, I don't know what it was, 6.12. But 6-12. you had to 11 wides in the first half. A lot of things might have been going through yeah, your head. We, I thought we were hurling the better team in the first half. Just the wides were killing us. And they were getting a few jammy goals, but we knew at half time we were still in it and we just had to dig deep. And we got there, brought extra time. So. A few changes made a bit of a difference as well. And yeah. it's saying that the lads that went off were probably unfortunate because everyone was playing their part, yeah. but tactics work as well. Our subs all year, Rory Cannell and Alex Cass, Sean O'Keefe, like, they've been great in the last two games as well and we really need them today and I think Rory got 1-1 Alex got a point so I don't know what they got but they were brilliant Yeah I think both of them got a goal to be honest but it was hard to keep yeah. up with all the scores but listen a tremendous day first ever under 21 win for Thomas Town which is excellent Yeah first ever will go down the history books now so we just have to drive it on again hopefully again next year we have another cut <laughs> Tell me Peter was that as good a game as you've ever played in? Oh. You played well, but it was as good a game as you ever played in. It was tough, it was I good, s- conditions were hard, the rain came down, it was cold, it was wet. Uh, but what a game of hurling. I say it was up there anyway. We knew when the rain came an extra time, it, the conditions suited us, because last day out, it was the same story, and we just knew it was in us to get over the line. Yeah, well, may I compliment you on your own personal performance and on Thomas Town's performance? And I'm sure you'll have a word for Moonkine as well, to a man that were outstanding also. Uh, she couldn't fault Moonkine, it was just, what, they got 5 12. Not often you score 5 12 and come out on the wrong side of it, so. Look, they'll come again next year. They're a very good intermediate team as well, and they're young, so they'll only get better as well. well listen, congratulations, and well done, Thomas Town. Thanks very much. Well done. Thank you. That's it for another week of Scoreline Extra. You can hear the best of the interviews every Saturday and Sunday with Saturday Scoreline and Sunday Scoreline on KCLR from 2 to 6pm. And of course, you can listen to Scoreline Extra every single weekend wherever you do your podcast listening.